0: This episode is brought to you by Dunnings, your local distributor of quality fuels and lubricants throughout Western Australia. Dunnings Fuel operate their fleet of trucks 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Dunnings keeps the whole state running. Find out more at dunningsfuel.com.au Ariat boots and clothing work hard, look good, and are so comfortable there's never a need to slow down. Visit ariat.com.au today. In 1987,
1: a mechanic found a baby boy abandoned on the streets of Brazil. Today, that baby boy is a grown man living and working on a cattle station in the Northern Territory of Australia. Blessed is how Chico Shaw describes his life, a life that could have turned out so differently. In this episode, Chico shares the story of his adoption from Brazil into a family from Bondi Beach, how he ended up working on a cattle station in the Gulf of Queensland and the challenges and adventures that that experience entailed. Make sure you tune in next week for part two to hear Chico share more yarns about his time working up north, why he left the industry for almost a decade, his challenges with anxiety and depression, and how he's come full circle to find love and build a life that truly makes him happy.
2: So I was born in Brazil and I was, um, found as a, I don't, I couldn't tell you how old I was, but I was found by a mechanic on the streets of Brazil and then taken to an orphanage. So yeah, that's sort of how it sort of all started. And then, um, my parents adopted me. They couldn't have children and they adopted me when I was six months old. So yeah, it's pretty scary, but I'm one of the lucky ones apparently.
1: How old were you when your parents told you you were adopted or did you start to kind of put the pieces together?
2: Oh God. I mean, you know, being that darker fella and then you look at your parents and they're white, you sort of something's going on, eh? But, um, I, I couldn't tell you still. I reckon probably like four or five or six or something. I knew something. Yeah. And you know, kids would give you shit and whatever else and say, Oh, how come your parents are white? And, and you know, as a child, you can't really explain that to people, can you?
1: <laughs> how did you go about, I guess, growing up in Bondi of all places, which couldn't be any further from Brazil, both geographically but also just in a way culturally, um and socioeconomically, to to I guess live the life you'd kind of been given and also wonder about where you'd come from?
2: Oh that's 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 actually a really good question. I sort of I guess growing up in Bondi I had everything. Like my parents, they provided everything. Um I mean, obviously, I've never been to Brazil. I don't know much about Brazil except they're good bull riders and good soccer players, and I was good at none of them, so that's probably why they kicked me out. But uh, but, um, but um, look, I I don't even really know how to answer that question. Like it's such a it's such an in detail question that like Bondi is such an amazing place, and everyone knows Bondi Beach and things like that, and then sort of Brazil where. I don't even, I was from a place called Bella Horizont, it's called, and I don't even know where it is. I don't even know anything where it is on the map or something like that, but um yeah, apparently I don't even think it's even near the beach. So um yeah, it's sort of like, it was just, yeah, like thinking about it makes you think you like you're blessed. Someone's, I don't know, I'm not really godly, but someone's come and given me something because Thinking about, you know, by the time you leave those orphanages, if you, you know, when you leave, they kick you out at 16 and you're on the streets. So that was sort of, you know, would have been where it would have been for me, I guess.
1: It's absolutely incredible how one choice or a series of choices, I suppose, and actions change your life so significantly. Like it's one choice to, one choice to, you know, leave you on the streets, but then for that mechanic to take you to the orphanage or for the – and then somehow for you to end up in an adoption program, like it's all these little moments that on their own might not seem that significant, but when you put it together, like your life could have gone a very different way.
2: When you actually think about it, like – but like you've actually got to sit down, like when you tell me this, say this to me, I would never really thought about it, but when you actually put it in perspective, it's like, wow, like, you know, why me? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like for my parents, like, could you imagine like what process you'd have to go through to adopt a child? Like, I think it's virtually, it's, it's really, really hard really now. I, I don't know. Apparently it's really hard now, you know? So it's sort of, um, it's just someone's blessed me or someone's done something that like, and you know, like, and, but there is a lot of Brazilian kids that were adopted and we used to go to these Brazilian picnic days as a kid. So there was heaps of it. Say so it was Aww. big. Yeah. A full big mob of of sort of like of these kids and we'd all sort of come together. I think it had happened sort of once a year. And, but a lot of them, there was another kid that was adopted at the same time. My parents became very good friends with his parents and he was a lot in a lot worse circumstances than me. He was malnourished and, you know, in a really, really bad way and he was found in, a, in a, an abandoned car and, you know, like so we're extremely blessed. All these kids that sort of got adopted by these Australian families have sort of got this... I don't know, I guess this blessing, I guess. And I don't even really know much about God or anything like that, but it's just, I guess I was just, someone was looking after me. I don't know what it was, but yeah. someone was.
1: No matter what your belief system is or how you put it, like, yeah, I know what you mean. It's, yeah, something's happened that's definitely worked in your favour. You said you didn't know where that, Town you were found in is on the map. Does that mean you haven't gone down that path of of trying to find your parents in Brazil or connect with family and learn more about where you came from?
2: Look, when I was young, um, I went and stayed with my auntie and uncle on that same cattle and cotton place, and um, and my parents actually went over to see if they could find a trace of of something, and they couldn't find it. Um, there was a thought of me going back with mum and dad at some stage, but they're getting on now and. You know, I, I don't know if they'd be able to do that trip. It's a long way, you know, and dad's been there several times as he was in, um, in the travel industry. So he used to go back there sort of frequently, but mum and dad did try and find a trace and they couldn't find anything. They tried really hard. And, um, look, I don't ever think about it. It's not until someone actually talks to me about it that I sort of understand how lucky I am and how and think about where you could, Oh, you know, you know, what if you met your mum or you had a brother? I would have loved to have a twin brother, you know. I want yeah. to have a twin brother, you know. And There's uh,
1: some guy around the world that looks exactly yeah, like just that's some dude. committing all these yeah. crimes and one day you've got to go through airport security and get Wow. Hanged.
2: Yeah, well yeah, you never know, took- he'd be some drug lord or something in Brazil, yeah. you know, selling cocaine or whatever the hell they do.
1: That's took a turn. But, <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> but you never know, he might be an amazing soccer player playing in England, you never know. <laughs> you buy me a cattle station. Yeah. But um but um no, like Oh, it's just, yeah, like I never really, really think about how, how it's sort of, but they did really try and, um, they found nothing, which is, which is, you know, but as in saying that, like that orphanage, it was packed with kids, like there, I'm, I'm not, I don't really know how many were there, but were, I suppose they'd still have them now. Do you know yeah. what I mean? So it, like, you know, there's obviously just kids that, and you know, these kids, they grew up on the streets and, and like, You know, I'm blessed that I never had to do that because someone with my mental health and things like that, there's no way I would have coped. But I guess in saying that, if you're in Brazil, you probably wouldn't have mental health with you because you're trying to survive, aren't you? (laughs) Yeah,
1: you'd be. Yeah. Yeah, probably in that mode. Yeah, I don't want to make any, I mean, presumptions about your parents' circumstances, but I think it's fair to assume that if they left you on the street, it wasn't the best of circumstances to be raising a child or bring a child into this world, whether it's their circumstances, the community, finance, anything like that. Um,
0: yeah.
2: Yeah, well, who knows what it could have been, you know? It could have been anything. Um, maybe like me and mum, we used to sort of joke that like apparently I was found in a, quite a wealthy neighbourhood. Ooh. So, Or maybe ma- they
1: wanted you to be picked up by. Well, who
2: knows, but maybe she could have been a, a nanny or, you know, a gardener or, you know what I mean? Anything <laughs> like that. You know, and sort of slept with the with the man I'm not saying that this happened, but in saying that, that could have been There's a circumstance. So There's so many possibilities. Me and Mum always joke about that, eh? That um You might
1: yeah. <laughs> be some secret prince. You might be like Anastasia. Well, who knows, eh? You never know. You um, could be, Prince oh. Chico.
2: No, no, no. It'd be Prince Francisco. My real name's Francisco. Oh. You re- I- I've told you that, haven't no, I? No, you haven't. Oh, geez, <laughs> we better backtrack. This <laughs> is um Yeah, no, my real name's Francisco. And um, So dad, when they first adopted me, when, so firstly, you could take the child out for the day, then you took them out for two days, then you had a sleepover. It was sort of like, you know, adopt a puppy or whatever, you know. (laughs) A trial period. Yeah. 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 I don't like this one. Give me that other one, you know? And, uh, And, and then, um, and so when he used to go to these bars, my daddy loves a beer, you know, so do I. And, um, and when he used to go to these bars, they'd say, what's his name? And he'd say Francisco, and they said, no, no, Chico, Chico, Chico. And then it just stuck ever since then.
1: Oh, so it's, it's just Chico, stuck. not Chico?
2: Oh, well, look, it's whatever. The, the Aussie fellas, you know, Chico. you know. I've
1: yeah. just been calling you Chico. Yeah, just,
2: yeah, well, that's it. But it's spelt C H I C O instead of C H I C Which is like the little
1: lollies. Yeah, the, the lollies, exactly. It, yeah. They're
2: cheekies now, don't be rude. Yeah, now. I know. <laughs> I was, mate, that was my only claim to fame. I was devastated when they freaking changed
1: those. (laughs) When I've been writing your name down on my list of people to interview. I've just been writing Chico Roll.
2: Oh, well. I'm like, I don't
1: know what his last name is. Just, just quietly
2: though, like I've got mates that, like my surfing buddies actually, they call me Roll.
1: There you go.
2: So there you go. Yeah. Yeah. So,
1: all right. So you're growing up in Australia. So. Tell me about – and so Bondi, it's obviously, a, again, a world away from where we are today, yeah. Um, maybe a bit of a nicer world, I don't know. Well, Tell it depends about, who you're talking to. Yeah. My missus,
2: I can't even get her to go to Bondi, you know. She won't even go down to Sydney, terrified of it, you
1: know. <laughs> Tell me about Bondi and what it was like there growing up.
2: Mate, it was unreal. I had a ball down there, like, um, you know, go to school and then just go surfing. Go to school, go surfing. Go to school. Go that's, that's all I did. I didn't care about anything. Yeah, I played sport, played rugby, and all that sort of stuff too. But all you wanted to do is we used to surf through winter. We'd surf through. All we wanted to do was just surf. And um, and then, obviously, in the winter time, we'd I'd play rugby, and um, I'd play for the Cleveley Eagles. Shout out to them. And um, and and then. You know, during summer, you just spend it on the beach. And I don't know the countless hours that my mother sat on the beach watching me surf from about eight till about, I don't know, maybe, tw- or oh, probably, I was younger six till about 12. And then I could go to the beach on my own. So, so <laughs> it was right. Well, I, I ended up better swimmer than her. So she couldn't save me anymore.
1: <laughs> but, You're on your own. Yeah. Yeah. Swim, yeah. Literally. Yeah.
2: yeah. See you, mate. But, um, yeah, not my mother, especially I remember like, Christmas holidays and, you know, those holidays, you know, those Easter holidays. She'd just sit on the beach, put her umbrella down and just watch me surf. Or she'd just read a book and go swimming and we'd spend the day down there, right, Just at Bondi or Bronte or Tamarama. She's in a little beach down there, glamorama they call it. And um and yeah, it was just it was it was an amazing childhood. Like, you know, I had everything that I could have asked for as a kid and but always, I always wanted to be that country kid though.
1: I was just about to ask. Always wanted to be that You sound like the epitome of a water baby, a water child. I am. Like you're half merman from the sounds of it. Yeah, pretty well. How have you ended up in the bloody middle of nowhere territory as far away from beaches as, you know, possible? There's no, there's no surf. I mean, I don't even know. You can't surf in Darwin, can you? Aside oh, from the crocodiles. I wouldn't and go anywhere others, near the water you got there. crocodiles and sharks, and I've only been to the yeah, beach once in Darwin like nah. 10 years ago, look, and I was like, pass. Look, but,
2: I wouldn't know. I, I mean, it's probably maybe it's something I should look up, but, you know, I can just sneak up there every week.
1: You'd probably be better <laughs> off on like a dam just being pulled behind a boat or yeah, something. Yeah, well, something like
2: that. Yeah, well, maybe talk to Rankin Garland about that day. He might have something. He might have a jet ski or something, eh? <laughs> Hope
1: you're listening to this one, Rankin. Right yeah. uh, he'll be on the podcast soon enough.
2: Oh, good, good, good. Um. Or get Willie D to you know out of the helicopter or something, you know, pull me yeah. around the dam or something. Pull you around know. A dam You know a Willie biscuit. D, don't you? Oh, I think
1: I've heard the name. Yeah, before. Roger. Yep. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he doesn't listen to this podcast. Oh, does he? Oh, no. that's terrible. Well, you better listen to this one. I know, not very supportive is he? No. Um,
2: but no, like just oh, just just an incredible, incredible. Like, and f- I just always wanted to be that bush kid, though. I'd go to this. I'd go to. Um, my uncle's farm and, and things. And then I'd go over to friends who were of my uncle's and go and chase their sheep around or go over there for lamb marking or go over there for, for branding or whatever, you know, and I just loved it. I throffed on it. Like, but then I could go home and jump on my boardies and jump in the water and paddle out. You know what I mean?
1: Sounds like you're living these two very different lives in a way. Like usually. Oh, Batman,
2: 100%. I love that.
1: <laughs> Cause that's what Will goes. He goes, listen, I'm not saying, but just, you know, you've never seen me and Batman in the same room. And I was like, oh, my God. He's dropped that line a few times.
2: What, about me or just normally?
1: No, just about himself. He yeah. goes- Is he a Batman too? Well, he goes, you've never seen me and Batman in the same room, just saying. And I wow. was like, yeah, cool. Wow.
2: Like, yeah, Roger. the other one. Yeah, Roger. No, but literally, that's how it is, like, for me. Like, I got this wannabe cowboy life and then I can sort of surf, so- Do you know what I mean? It's weird.
1: (laughs) I feel like when you're growing up, it's really important whether it is or not, but we all seem to try and find an identity in one thing. Like we find one thing and kind Mm -hmm. of pull at it and be like, that's how we identify ourselves. So Mm -hmm. for you, you had two things and two very different things. Was it always, was it your family's, so like your uncle and auntie's farm, is that kind of where you got your taste for being a bush kid?
2: Yeah, that that's where it did. And then obviously, and then mum's extended family through there, they're all at Ebor and Armadale and that beautiful country that rains every afternoon. And yeah, that's where it started. And then from there I used to go over to mum's extended family at Armadale and go over there and they just strictly ran cattle and sheep. So that's where it really sort of like my uncle, he only had the cotton place. They were more cropping, but they had a hundred cows and, you know, 80 steers or whatever they had. And then they'd bring on their heifers and bring on their, you know, things like that. And, um, and then that's, but then when I went over to Armadale and just saw this operation of just all cattle and sheep, I was like, "Yeah, this is where it's at." Uh, how much fun! That's yeah.
1: So interesting. Like yeah. you're having the choice of being like hard work, dirty, you know, with cows and it smells, you know, all that kind of stuff, or you could go like live this like, I guess, a little bit more glamorous like surfer life. You've gone for the
2: oh, but I tried to be a chippy, and that just just didn't interest me, and then. And then, yeah, I sort of – but anyway, we'll talk about that. But it just – I don't know. This this cow life, it just is something that calms me down. Like, you know, I had mental health and anxiety and stuff like that. Like, I had panic attacks and that. I've never, ever had a panic attack in the bush working. Never, ever, ever, ever. And I had panic attacks in the city all the time. That's just the way it is. I think too many people or too much stuff going around, you know. (laughs)
1: I wonder, and I know I'm pulling at straws here, but like if you look at epigenetics and, you know, they say like there's all these things get, that can be passed down through through your genetics, through the generations, like whether it's like trauma or personality or um like your oh, – what's that word? But, you know, like your propensity to have mental health issues or anything. Yeah. I wonder if – because Brazil is the largest beef-producing country in the world.
2: I was about to say that just so quietly. You never know.
1: I wonder <laughs> if, you know, it's in your family that they were like – I don't, I can't remember what they call the Brazilian cowboys. Gauchos, is Yeah. It? yeah. Think,
2: and yeah. they're good at it too, yeah. eh? Yeah, they're really good. I wonder
1: if it's like in your, in your family. Well, wow. somewhere. Who, who knows? And I've- then you just went, cause I've, um, read studies about, oh, well, they do doing all sorts of animals, which isn't the greatest, but I think it was with mice and they like had these mice in an experiment and they sprayed I think a smell like lavender or something, but then they zapped them. I'm, I'm probably getting this wrong, but this is the crux of it. Yeah. And so the mice had a negative res- like association with the smell of lavender because every time they got that smell, they got zapped or something bad or some yeah, negative right yep. um, action towards them. And then they went and bred the mice and I think they didn't try it. Uh, then they went to like the 12th generation or way down the line um, so when all the, those mice that have been in that initial one were well and gone, mm. like they're great, 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 great grandparents. Wow. And they, they measured their stress levels when they sprayed lavender and their stress went up. Like they just had this like, like they just knew like that there was a bad association with that smell. That's nice. So showing o. how things can be passed down through generations. So yeah, I wonder if it was something about being around cat. I mean, I'm just you, totally making who, it up. Yeah, Who
2: knows? You never know. You, it be you, cool? you, 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 it'd be, it'd be a great story.
1: It's a cool story. Yeah. And I'm running with it. And let's,
2: let's just keep going with it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what happened.
1: So how'd you end up on a cattle station?
2: Right. So my cousin, I was playing, a, I was playing sport actually. And, um, and I, you know, I was playing a lot of, a lot of sport and, um, a code anyway of, of sport. And I sort of got offered something. And then my cousin, we went to a Christmas. I'm pretty sure it was a Christmas thing. I can't remember. And she told me she'd just left school and she said, I'm going to Newcastle Waters.
1: If that is not mentioned in every episode of this podcast, I don't know what it is.
2: You hey. did say that just quietly.
1: <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'm like, well,
2: you know, and I've always had this fascination with road trains in the territory and big mobs of cattle, you know. And, um, and then I was like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, tell me more about this Newcastle waters. What is this? You know? <laughs> and anyway, she showed me this brochure or some, something, and she's told me like all about it. Anyway. So I was like, you know what? I'm not going to do this sport thing anymore. Um, I, and I, um, applied for a job at Napco. I think I got a job at Alexandria. Like I was offered a job there. And then there was another one in the Gulf at Newmere Valley. And, um, I got the job there. And, um, I decided, and I got, I hurt my back actually. And I wasn't actually going to go. And everyone thought, and everyone thought, no, nah, he's not going to go. This bloke is, He's full of shit, you know, he's not going to go. Anyway, so I kept putting it off and I didn't want to be that person that keeps putting stuff off because that, because obviously, but this was during the eras where people, you know, they tell you they had a job and they just turn up. But now they tell you we're coming, but they never turn up. You know what I mean? That happened when I was in the channels last year. It was unbelievable. But anyway, um, and I actually did it at my back. And, um, anyway, I, um, ended up there and, and then ever since then I sort of, you know, I just loved it. You know.
1: How was, old were you at the time?
2: So at that time I just – so I had my 21st birthday in the golf actually. Okay. Yeah, on the station. So yeah. you were – I was 20.
1: Okay. Yep. So you're 20. You've got this option of following a path where you're playing like semi-professional sports. Yep. And you decide to walk away from that and head up to the golf to yep. work on a cattle station. Yep. You're nuts.
2: Yeah, probably. I, yeah. But I always had this thing of watching, you know, listening to Lee Kernighan songs and, you know, this is before I heard of Alan Jackson and Morgan Whalen, you know. He, you know Lee, was, Lee was my go-to. <laughs> and, uh, and, and I just wanted to do it and I was like, well, you know what? I'm going to do this too, eh? And everyone thought he's not going to last. That's right, me off, eh? Like just, no. Nah.
1: It'll me- be too hard. About your trip out to the station because I understand there's a bit of a story there.
2: good. So me and dad flew to Cairns and um, anyway, so he's like, here, try this. And we had a 4X. So we flew into Cairns. We had two days in Cairns. My grandparents actually paid for it. He's like, because they didn't think I was going to go. So they were like, right, you go out with him and fly to Cairns. So we flew to Cairns, whatever, I got my new jeans on. That cilia Cobra hat, you know, it's all you know. You think you, you think <laughs> <laughs> anyway. So I got all that on, and um, anyway, we get to Kansas. We stay in this resort, you know. Gee, it's hot, eh? <laughs> it's proper hot, eh? you know. You walk out of that plane, and you, you know what Kansas is like, and you're sort of in that valley when you get out of that plane. Mm-hmm. And so you're just sweating, eh? Uh, I can handle this a bit, right? Anyway, so me and dad spent 2 days in Cairns by the pool drinking beer everything like that anyway next minute he's like all right then i suppose i'll drop you at this gate here and and then you know so from Cairns you flew on Mac Air which is um no longer around but shout out to them they were the girls there were so lovely and you'd fly and you fly from there to Normanton well um, that's when it really sunk in. So before then, I think me and dad had about six beers or something, you know, freaking, it's raining in cans, like it's pouring. And, um, anyway, so I met a bloke who was going with me. He's like, Oh, are you working for Sandy and Ailey, who are now down at Camfield, actually? I said, yeah, yeah, I'm going. There. He said, Oh, yeah, I'm going there too. So I was like, oh Rodder, well, at least I have someone to talk to. And then the old man, he's he's half got tears in his eyes and he gives me a big hug. He's like, see ya, mate. So like, yeah, Rodder, whatever. Get away from
1: me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Dad, don't hug yeah, me. That's yeah, yeah. Cool. Yeah,
2: it's it's weird, bro. <laughs> don't touch me, you know. <laughs> um anyway, so we we fly on this plane. Anyway, the bags are getting stuffed in. It, and this this plane's tiny, mate. Hey? Like it's and I have a terrified of flying. All the chopper pilots from um Rank as they all know this. I only go up with Tash. Shout out to Tash. She's the only pilot I'll fly with. So, yeah. So, we go up. Anyway, we're in this plane and the bags are getting shoved in there and there's all these bumping noises. And Anyway, so we're up there. Anyway, so we land in the middle of Norman. I don't know if you've been in Normanton, but this no. is a tiny little airport. And, <laughs> and I open the door and I walk out and I'm like, I'm going to die here. Well, I actually thought, I was nearly, like, wanted to go back on the plane to Cairns. I was terrified. Anyway, so we've got the swags off and everything, all the new gear and whatnot. This bloke turns up. And he's got a smoke in his mouth. And I'm like, and he just looks like the roughest bloke I've ever seen in my life. And I'm like, this guy's going to kill. And he's my head stockman. And I was like, this bloke's going to kill me, eh? Like, he, And he wasn't much older than me, but just just rough you know (laughs) like he'd been bull catching and all sorts of things like he was he was a really really rough sort of a bloke and um i was absolutely terrified so i'm not exactly sure how far it is i think it's two and a half hours or two hours from normanton to newmia valley so in this car no aircon, three of us i just come off you know playing a bit of sports so i was really fit and thick and muscled up and whatever else and so i'm just sweating profusely and it's so hot like and i'm just contemplating my life like
1: (laughs) literally what have i done what what
2: what have i signed myself up to because
1: well i'm a kid from
2: bondi you go out and you go to armadale and ebor and places like that those cattle see people every day you know what i mean like you the closest town is an hour away it's nothing you know, like my closest place was Mount Isa hospital. If something happened, you, your heart's beating. You, 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 you fro- I was terrified. And this big dark guy just shaking in his boots. Oh, hey, mate. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm good. Oh, eh? yeah. Jason's my name. Oh, Chico, please. You know, like just, you know, just, just wobbly. Yeah? <laughs> so anyway, we turn up there and I meet the manager, I meet Sandy and Ali and they're the most beautiful people you'll ever meet. And um and then so we had the weekend off, so we got there on a Friday. And then so I've I think that bloke who I met who was with me on the plane, he you know, he went and got his stores, you know, and you know, pack of you know, pack of rollies on a box of four X and then there's Chico just getting a freaking phone card so he can ring his mum and tell her that he doesn't want to be here anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that morning I cried. Aww. Oh, 100%. When you like, woke up the next day. Yeah, yeah. I was like, because obviously nothing was happening. So, like, you had the weekend off. So, there's nothing going on. you got no car. You can't go to Birkenwell's Roadhouse. You can't do anything. At my, at, This is how I'm thinking, right? Mm-hmm. So, I rung them and I was like, I want to come home. Like, and my grandma got on the phone. She said, you can't come home. Like, you need to be realistic. You cannot come home. And I'm like, no, I just, I'm just not feeling it. It's really hard. I, you haven't even done anything yet, mate. You, you, you haven't even left the holding paddock. You haven't even left the compound, bro. <laughs> and, um, and anyway, so I'm, I'm just, you know, freaking out. But that night, all the crew went to Birkenwills Wills Roadhouse and I had a ball, but then you wake up the next day and cause I got mental health and stuff. And you have you, so you're already on edge because you're terrified of what's gonna happen. And <laughs> you wake up, you got a hangover on the Sunday, and you and then you ring him again. I really don't want to be here like I went and got drunk last night <laughs>
1: anxiety is oh, a real thing. Oh, it, it is. It's it actually proper. Is. I've actually is learned really? about that from a therapist. Yeah, there's a chemical reaction that goes on in your mind and um drinking like makes you more precept- like um what do you call it? Like you're gonna. Yeah, more y- 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 yeah. It, it, it triggers your anxiety. Yeah, 100. Well, yeah. It does. Yeah, you know, so you know big
2: and is- big weekends at camp draft, and you go home, you still got the shakes. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, not that I'm any good at that sport either. But uh, but um, yeah. Like so. Anyway, the Monday rolls around, and um, so it's Monday morning, and my heart is going mental. This is about four o'clock in the morning. And I've run up to the manager's house like having a panic attack. Like full on. Like just frightened day. Wow. Just terrifying. Anyway, they come and they sat me down and they're like, um they didn't call me a pussy or nothing. I would have. If I was running place, I'd be like, go away, mate. But no, you you don't do that. But and they were like, look, just it's I know it's extremely overwhelming for you, mate. Like you've come from somewhere that we know nothing about. and you've come out here, just give it a go. And that's what they said to me. So that day I went out on a ball run with the manager and went fencing and he was showing me how to clean troughs and straight a fence with a pair of pliers and things like that. And then from that day on I was that tired, but you didn't have anything to worry about really, I, eh? yeah. You never really thought of anything. And we hadn't even started mustering yet. Do you know what I mean? And then once we started mustering, but the whole horse thing was hilarious, and that, that'll come up later, hopefully. But, um, but once you started mustering, like you're too tired to worry about anything else. Like, you know, you forget to ring your mum and dad. <laughs> like now I forget to ring him because you, you know what I mean? But before when you're young and you're paranoid and you don't, I think the biggest thing out there was you don't know what's going to happen. You're brand new. I suppose, it, I suppose it'd be like some of these kids from here going to boarding school. Like they'd hate it, mate. Yeah. Oh, I just want to go on a bull with my dad or I just want to go Brandon Wayne with the men or
1: you know what I mean like It's a lot of new things happening at once because oh. say you're if you were still in Sydney and you started a new job like I hate starting new jobs like there's just anxiety yep. no matter what even if yep. I've like even if I'm so excited for the job that first yep. day I'm like Ugh. Yeah, like, oh, it's horrid. But at least everything else in your life is somewhat the same. Like you're going yeah, you, back home. Yeah, you to can your, go
2: home to your mum and dad or your fiance, people, or, familiar, or your family or yeah, whatever.
1: Everything else is familiar yeah. the place, the people. But up there, it's new job, new people, new place. Everything. New, you, ev-
2: everything's brand new. I don't even know where the water is, mate. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm sweating. You. <laughs> and and that's the thing. That's the thing with this station life is that y- you can't hide from it. Like, you still gotta to go to dinner with everyone. You still gotta go here with everyone. You do something wrong, everyone knows. You do this, you do, do, do you know what I mean? It's, it's not somewhere, whereas, you know, if you are working as a, whatever you're doing, as a mechanic in Sydney, well, you can go home to your mum, or you can go home to your dad, or your fiance, or your brother, or your housemate, or whatever, and vent to them. But you sort of, you got nowhere to stand out here, right? Cause you just, just keep going, eh? <laughs>
1: Tell me about the horses. I know you said it'll come oh up later, God. but you've intrigued me now and I don't oh want
2: to wait. God. So all my cousins and that, they're pretty – they were oh, – all, not anymore. They all were very horsey people. And I had the opportunity to ride horses and everything like that, but no, I was like, nah, I'll just ride this four-wheel around the place. I'd never get on them. I'd get on them on the occasion, but, you know, mum mum loves horses and she rode as a kid. I was like, nah, it's a waste of time, whatever. Anyway, so, well, lo and behold, I should have gone to those pony clubs or – Whatever they do down there, you know? Cause anyway, so we're on this first muster. So anyway, they, um, they give me this horse called Speedy, right? It's big, freaking feather footed sort of big, big brown horse, eh? Big, beautiful horse. And anyway, so Speedy, Speedy and me, we, I load him up on the, oh, I get on him before we go, I lunge him and he sort of won't lunge and then headstock and grabs the freaking, here, yeah, this is how you do it. And he gets him lunging. <laughs> And then he's and he's like, get on. Like, oh, well, mate, you're not going to walk all day, are you? you? You better get on. So I got on in the yard, and um, there's actually a picture of it. One of the girls actually made a collage for me at the end of the year. We all had to do. Um, it was a girl that I was actually seeing at the time when I was up there. I I got myself a little girlfriend, and um. And she made a collage and it's a picture of me and the look on my face is just priceless though, like terrified, absolutely terrified. Like just, yeah. So anyway, we've loaded these horses on this truck. Anyway, so we didn't have a chopper that time. So we just loaded out, went out to a bore and we're just going to grab whatever was on that trough. (laughs) And there's cattle going everywhere. (laughs) And there's Chico. Just sitting there, just this horse would not move. His name was Speedy, he would not move. I
1: wondered that when you said his name was Speedy and then you said he was feather-footed. I was like, I I bet you this is the slowest horse out. I'm
2: there kicking this thing and he walked two steps and just stopped. (laughs) And then he just had my measure. And people say animals aren't smart. Well, this bloke outsmarted me. So, and I'm there booting him as hard as I can, eh? like, literally. (laughs) You've walked three steps and stopped. Anyway, so.
1: Meanwhile, all the cattle are just running away. Mate, there's
2: cattle going everywhere on this board. Anyway, so all the other people who could ride and motorbikes and everything like that, they've got them all together and everything like that. And they're like, Chico, you just come and you just sit on that tail. You'll be right. Just, you know, keep them, keep them moving. So, there's speedy. So the mob would be like 30 metres in front of me and I'm kicking this horse and he's still not moving, eh? Like he'd walk the three steps and stop and kick again, walk two steps and stop. I'm there like actually talking to this fella. Come on, Speedy. Let's go, Speedy. Come on. He's a good boy. Come on, yeah. Speedy. Oh, full on, eh? Like, like full on. Anyway, so the manager can is back and he's like, here, hang on. And he smacked him with a stock whip on the ass. Well, this thing walked four steps. <laughs> <Stop>. <laughs> well, you he knew he's not gonna stay there forever. <laughs> oh and that was what and I said to the manager, I said, I'm shit at this. He's like, Chico, it's your first day you've barely ridden a horse. You will be fine. <laughs> but you're enjoying yourself, aren't you? I said, Yeah, but I can't do it But mate, you haven't ridden a horse. <laughs> so we don't expect you to be breaking records right now, which I've never broken in my life. But, um, oh, it was, it was a memorable day. Anyway, we walked into this holding paddock. I had no water. Um, this is before I discovered that there were camelbacks and stuff like that. And there was no water on the road, like on, on our way. Cause I think it was only like a seven, eight K walk. And we walked into this holding paddock and then, um, obviously went back because we camped out. We'd actually gone and camped out, so it was really good, because <clears throat> he camped out a lot there, and um, so there's no grog, got you off the grog, and not that I was a drinker then, and you know, you'd come home and have your cordial and appreciate the things like that, but like, I was just so down on myself, because I always prided myself in trying to give my best, but I just couldn't, because I couldn't get this horse.
1: But you tried, like, you weren't giving your best. I was trying, mate.
2: (laughs) But he wasn't. Yeah.
1: So you still gave your best. Oh
2: yeah. I wonder if that horse is still alive, just quietly. He was a good doer too. Like, you know, like, it'd be the end of the season and that horse, like, people would be sending him. Not like I was riding him. People would be actually sending him and he'd still be fat and shiny. Like he was just a good (laughs) doer. I would have always wanted to know what sort of breed of a horse he was because he was just, he was just big. He's a really, really big, strong horse, and um, and yeah. So that was my first sort of muster.
1: So your horse didn't move, and you got half perished. Yeah, it sounds like you were pretty thirsty by the oh, end.
2: You've got no idea. I drank a gallon, I think. Yeah, just, just you know. And then I was, then I think I once we got back from camp after like two or two weeks or something, I was like, well, I better ring my mum or someone. To order me a Camelback because everyone had them except me. And this was a camp with that one other bloke and the rest were all girls. So it was like, and they could all ride like hell, you know what I mean, they're cantering around. And and then as I sort of got progressed a little bit, they used to chase me around on horses like to get me cantering, you know. <laughs> Literally chase me. Come on, Chico, get in, go get him going.
1: That's kind of like teamwork. Well,
2: right? it is, it is. And um but look, um where I really, really so obviously where I really, really found myself at home was was branding calves eh? Like it was just like playing football, you know, pushing a cradle and dehorning and like there was a time there where I got to when I first got to camp, because you can't ring anyone, so I started writing letters in a diary. And um there was one part in the diary where I was real homesick. And I just got on this this cradle all day, and I just had a ball. a like, and then ever since then, I've just loved branding calves.
1: Can you explain what happens in the yards when you're branding cattle for people that maybe have never been out in a station and, and can't yeah, right picture it. it?
2: So you'll draft off your, your your calves, and um, and then so they'll get processed. So they'll probably get castrated. Um, ear tagged and earmarked, which so they know where they're from and they get branded the brand of the property. Um, but obviously down south now in my uncle's country and stuff, they don't brand anymore. I'm sure some people probably still do down there, but there's, there's not many people that brand anymore. And then you'll dehorn them too. So anything that's not poly will get dehorned. Yeah. So, and then, but the cradle, it's sort of like a, um, oh, I don't know how, how would you explain it, Steph? <laughs>
1: Like a sandwich maker yeah, yeah, it stands yeah. up. Yeah,
2: yeah, like a, it sa- stands up and then they you sort of into you it walk into it and you, it catch and you push it and then you throw it on the ground and it's very, very, very physical and so it's so much it's fun. It's kind
1: of like a cow and metal sandwich. So like yeah, sandwich maker with the hinges at the bottom standing up. <laughs> yes. You kind of walk into it, you push it at the top so yep. you kind of catch the, the animal in there so it's like – Metal cow metal. Yeah. Yep. And then, but it's, it's built in certain ways that it, it's, it, they're very, yeah, they're not they're, designed. not
2: they're not hurt or. No, there's, there's no. special
1: gaps to go around the shape of yes. the animal. So it's, it's just kind of catches them for a minute. Mm. And then it usually gets placed on its side onto
2: a tire, which yep. is, you know, which cushions, obviously cushions the blow. Yeah. And then you start your processing. So
1: the animal's restrained while you're doing yep. things, um, like castrating, yep. branding, ear marking mm. um, Just so I guess it replaces what would have what would have required two or three people to kind of physically hold down the animal, or or use ropes, or bronco branding, or
2: whatever people used to do. Yeah. So and then obviously they get let go after that, and Mum sort of she's in the yard too, so she's there, and they go and get a drink, and they all mother up, and then we walk them away again, and then we go and get another lot, and it just stemmed from there. I had a ball, and then and then obviously then there's a bigger one. Which is a wiener cradle. And that was my I but not many people have the manual wiener cradle anymore. Willie D might, actually. Mm-hmm. I'm sure he might. I'm have to go over there and have a look. But uh, <laughs> that manual wiener cradle, it's big and it and you stand on your truck tyre. So the other one had a little tire, but this is a truck tyre. And anyway, so you'd you'd do the same thing but with the bigger animals with your wieners. And um that's where I really, really had a, a great time.
1: I'm oh, sure the girls loved it too. Cause if you're, that was the job I hated and I pretty much have always gotten out of doing it because it's just so physically <laughs> demanding. It's, it's massive. I've got the upper body strength of a six year old boy. Like oh, I've no. got nothing. <laughs> I don't know why I always say six year old boy. I'm like, probably six year old girl, like just a six year old in general. I've yeah. Well, go, just go six year old. I've just got nothing. So I was, yeah, I would have loved it if you were in my crew and you were oh, just there mate, happy just, to oh, catch and throw, ha-
2: happy to catch and throw and happy to dehorn all day. Still now, I love dehorning. It's got to be done properly.
1: I was just about to say, you could sound a little sadistic the way you say that. I oh, know, But shocking. then you follow that up with, it's no, got to be done properly. It's got to be and done properly. That's what we like to do. And hear. with,
2: um, and, and humanely. And, um, and obviously there is nothing more beautiful than walking into a mob of Brahmins or whoever and you see them with no horns. It just looks really, really yeah. tidy. A lovely, tidy herd is the key.
1: Safe for them, safe for their people. S-
2: yes, for the people that they chase around.
1: <laughs> yeah. Definitely got some yarns about people who have well, um, had back pockets ripped off their jeans. Well, it
2: happens, yeah, yeah, or, you know, rammed into a into a gate or.
1: Yeah, or actually a girl I know, I'm hoping she'll come on the podcast one day, um, got impaled by a horn a couple of years ago. She's never in the Kimberley. Yeah. So,
2: oh, I haven't been, yeah. yeah. i been knocked over, but she's nothing like that. Yeah, Ugh. not cool.
1: Or I guess, you know, um, Lane Frost.
2: Well. Or, yeah, there you yeah, go. yeah For there anyone, you go. Yeah, anyone you
1: you know the guy from Eight Any seconds, Eight well, Seconds a, people, yeah, yeah, he's a very famous bull rider. who yeah. died by a human. horn. So yeah, no. it, it can happen. It can happen, and you're certainly not going to be running around in the yards wearing a um a vest, a vest or anything like that. Well, so.
2: <laughs> always stranger things can happen. There's a lot of safety coming in.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> you, know, <laughs> no. you might too. have to wear hard hats soon.
1: Oh gosh, yeah. <laughs> Honestly, with the way some people are, it probably wouldn't be the worst thing for them. Because I swear, <laughs> like. I don't know they always say common sense isn't that common. <laughs> but man, there are some people out there that like, you know, what are they, what is it? The da- um, what do they call it with like natural selection? There are some yep. people that are trying to get themselves taken out. Well,
2: you know, maybe they just want that combo, mate. <laughs> oh
1: yeah. that I don't know. I feel like the way they're going, they're going to end up somewhere where they can't use combo. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs>
2: oh. oh,
1: so how well, long we just did that in, in unison? We are both like, yeah, I know. Oh. oh.
2: Yeah. So my first year we went to Normanton rodeo and, um, you know, all I wanted to do was get on a bullock, but I was too scared to do that. I did that the following year. But anyway, one thing that stuck out in my mind and it still does with the Aboriginal people, they think I'm Aboriginal. I love it. You know, it's hilarious. So the first time at Norm- Normanton rodeo, I was actually standing next to the Govey, and she comes up to me. This Aboriginal lady comes up to me and goes, Oh, is, is this your wife? And I said, Oh, no, no, it's, it's not my wife. You know, like, you know, and then she walked away. And then she come back and goes, Oh, me and my friend think you're the most beautiful Aboriginal man I've ever seen. I said, look, I'm not Aboriginal. And they said, Oh, we thought so because your teeth are too good for that. So, you know, they always, but everywhere I go, all the Aboriginals, they always think that, um, that I'm Aboriginal and they always ask me for stuff.
1: I think. <laughs> When you think but I'm I love like- it
2: though. It's it's cool.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah, but then but then sometimes they abuse me and call me a white fella because I didn't give him some money or
1: something. You know? Oh, you are so not. Like <laughs> Well, you know what I mean. Yeah. And I was
2: out I was actually in Mount Isa before I came up here. And I was with a bloke who's sort of you guys colour. And um he's he's Aboriginal you see his father. His father's nearly the same colour as me, but he's got the red hair and he's aboriginal. And this Aboriginal bloke comes up to me and goes, Oh, when I have some money, I said, Oh no, i am not I've only got card mate. I, I, I don't know, you know. And he goes, he goes to me. Oh, you're just a white whatever. And I, said, and I'm sitting next to this. And I said, this, this should be happening to you, you know. You, you know, yeah, you're, you're bloke, not me, you know. But yeah, but I, I do, I do love them. And God, there's some, there's some amazing stockmen. that are Aboriginal people, and they're good funny. Eh?
1: I guess when you think of um Brazil, like it's one of those countries where there isn't like a, a look. For the person. Well,
2: you could be Brazilian.
1: Exactly. Like, you can. So, yeah. you're, you're right now, actually. Like, when I just took a picture of you before, I was like, I'm like, you really kind of look quite strongly African. Well, actually. But they, then I've seen white Brazilians yeah. think of Giselle Bundchen. I've seen like more yeah. kind of like Latino looking. Like, yeah. there's a whole range.
2: So, my ancestors, they think this is what, well, mum and dad obviously, they did a lot of research. They think my ancestors would have come from West Africa. So, you know, those big, strong, burly sort of yeah. lion hunters, you know?
1: Yeah. <laughs> and, I can see that. <laughs> and like, you've got the hair, like. Yeah, there. yeah, got so, the,
2: the frisade, got the fuzz going.
1: Yeah. So I think even if you put on an American accent, you could easily. Like well,
2: pass there too. Eh? Yeah.
1: So Brazil to me is so fascinating because you go, often you go to countries and there's just like this look, you know, like Africa. Mm-hmm. There's a look. I know, mean, obviously it changes within Africa. Well, of course. Know, and then, and then, mm. um, you know, you Latino countries like this is yeah. really strong Latino look, but Brazil, there's so many different. Oh
2: yeah. And um, you know, there's, there's French people over there. There's, you mm-hmm. know, there's white people. There's, there's, as you said, there's that Latino look. And then they actually call them Afro Brasileiros, me. Oh. Yeah. That's what they're called Afro Brasileiro. So like there's a lot of them and they were the ones that started all that capoeira and that Brazilian dance fighting and all that sort of stuff when they were cutting sugar cane. I think they brought the, Africans over there to cut sugar cane.
1: Oh, okay. yeah.
2: Yeah. I'm pretty sure. Don't quote me on this, but I'm, pre- I am pretty sure from what I know, you know.
1: So you just mentioned that that first year at Normanton Rodeo, yeah. you didn't ride, but no. you did the second year. Oh, yeah. No, and, uh, and as you mentioned at the start of the podcast, Brazil is known for so we've had three time world champion, 100%. Brazilian, 100%. and he's also Brazilian, um, Adriano Moraes. Oh,
2: isn't he, isn't he, a, he he's was a beast
1: episode 15 or 16 on this podcast?
2: Have you interviewed him?
1: Yeah, yeah. He came No He came to Broome in twenty nineteen, a friend of mine, he came over to run some bull riding schools oh, for um kidding. Is for he a indi- monster? For indigenous kids. Well, he's in his fifties now, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Still like considering he's in his fifties, like still. We'll very have to chat few. about
2: this after the podcast because, you know, yeah, yeah, that's gnarly.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So um you're not, you're not the first Brazilian on the podcast. Just oh, saying.
2: Yeah, but I, I'd happily come in second to him.
1: But they pump out some incredible bull riders. Oh, so tell me that you won the event.
2: No, huh? no, no, no. I'm I am terrible at it.
1: You are quite big. I'm too big. Like you're I'm tall shocking. and you're solid and bull yeah. riders, you can always tell if someone's like a bull ride, like yeah. you're rough stock or timed events. Yeah. Cause the rough stock guys are like little jockeys yeah. and the timed events are like kind of like normal size. No,
2: terrible. At, like you should see me on a buck and horse. I just absolutely just, oh, they terrify me. But I thought, you know what? I'll give this bullock ride a go. No good. And then I went and bought a rope and then I actually, I had my last bullock ride last year and I got jumped on and you know, so I, I was always shocking at it. Terrible. But I just get on, just for you know. Just so, to- what
1: made you want to get on though? Oh, Tell me just- about the lead up to it.
2: Oh, I just got to do it. You got to have a go. You got to have fun out here. Like I was didn't camp draft. Like this is my first. I had a camp draft last year, one, and this is my first year camp drafting. And now I'm hooked. I'm obsessed. I had a ball at Boralula. I actually put one round. It was a fluke, but I did it. And um and. Uh, so you've yeah. only
1: just gotten into camp drafts? Yeah, I've
2: only been to five drafts, mate.
1: And you've been in this industry fifteen years. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Talk two- about a slow burn.
2: Oh, just terrified, mate. I thought people would just judge you the way you ride, because I ride terribly. But um so do
1: a lot of people. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but but at the end of the day, you know, you, you get it done and but um yeah, no, I only just got into it. And I've got this beautiful fiance now who loves it. So she sort of She's pushed me and we argue about things and, you know, and she's always right, you know, and I'm the first to admit that. When it comes to this horse stuff, she leaves me for dead, but I just don't like being told what to do. Do you know what I mean? I should listen more and maybe I might might do a bit better.
1: (laughs) You're a wise man.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Not that she's sitting here or anything.
1: Well, we've got this like little kind of sound breathing set up. So she, you can't see her, but I can see her from where I'm yeah. sitting.
2: Rolling eyes, no doubt.
1: <laughs> so we're going to end up doing two episodes because you've, you've got, I yeah, mean, we've is. got a good 15 years or more yeah. like to cover. Um, but I want to talk a little bit more about your time up in the Gulf and I yep. guess how you, you mentioned at the start of the episode that when you got there, yep. you had, um, like a lot of anxiety. Huge anxiety. Had you had, and and the panic attack, I guess, yep. which also really interested me that you had the panic attack, but that you also went to the managers and the way they handled that. Because yep. I feel like, especially if you're having a panic panic attack about being out there, yep. it, uh, naturally, like the last thing you want to do is let anyone else know because it's well, like showing the sign well, of it's
2: me. the it's it, and 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 you know what? It's as I've got older, I don't give a shit mm. what anyone thinks of my mental health anymore. And I'll show it emotionally because I don't care because I've had some pretty dark roads with, with mental health. And, um, if it's, if it comes out that I'm not this macho, bacho, big black dude, you know what I mean? I really don't care, but mental health is real and it's a big thing. And, but the panic attacks, they started, the first panic attack I ever had was getting on a plane by myself as an unaccompanied minor on the way to, I was going up to Narrabri to the cotton farm. Again. And I was going on my own this time. And, um, so they got me out to the tarmac. The hostess, she's walking you out. I ran back from across the tarmac. This little seven year old kid, I'll never forget it, ran through the Sydney airport car park. You know that car park down there, mm. mate? There were security guards chasing me because mum's chasing me. I thought this young little black kid stole her purse.
1: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Cause there's a white lady chasing a yeah. little black. <laughs>
2: Full on pro like stop, stop, like full on, and she's yelling, saying, "Jake, it's right, you know, come back." Oh. <laughs> anyway, but they got me, and that—that's my first stem of a panic attack ever, and that was my first lot of mental health. Like I've had um, anxiety, and I've taken medication for anxiety since I was seven years old. I've been on medication. Wow. I've been on medication since I was about six or seven for ADHD as well, and. Um, and you know, there's, you know, and I just think that, you know, mental health is real. And, but it wasn't until later in life that I discovered that I had depression as well. And I had some pretty dark roads with that. There's yeah. going
1: to be, I guess we'll talk about it a bit in this episode and in, and in part two as well. But I guess talk me through that first year and how you, I guess how it played out and how you managed it.
2: So at the start, obviously, cause you, this is all new. And anxiety, the biggest thing is I can sit here and tell you it now, but I could, something could happen to me and I could have a panic attack. Do you know what I mean? But anxiety is the fear of the unknown. It is, whether you like it or not. So you're in the
1: perfect storm. Oh,
2: you just, well, I didn't know what was going on. I mean, I'm a boy from the beach, man. I had no idea. What, what's a Brahmin bull? You know, you still see them at the Sydney Easter show. You can scratch them, you know?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you can try and scratch these ones. No, no, I'll, I'll be right. I have to call the RFDS.
2: <laughs> yeah. But, um, but, It just, look, it got better as the season went on. As I said to you before, if your mind is busy doing something else and you're drafting and, you know, I was working in the round yard, having a ball brand and calves, you know, I was that tired that you didn't have time to think about panic attacks. Do you know what I mean? It was in those alone times where you sort of, and then, you know, I ended up, Getting myself a little, a little lady friend. And do you know what I mean? It sort of stemmed. No, but I, I'm like, it was, but
1: company. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Company was, was, was a big thing. I, I love people. You know, I love hanging out with people. I'm a people person. And, um, and that was the big thing. It was because you're so tired and so exhausted and you, everything's so new. Once you're getting into it, you don't have time to think about what anxiety is.
1: Do you think though, I guess I want to flag that as, maybe a bit of a band aid and a mask. Yep. Because um it's kind of I guess it is a band aid effect. You're so tired, you're not it's not happening, but you're also not dealing with it and dealing with the root of it. So I would expect that in quieter times or other times that those things oh, are still back. they're still unresolved. Because oh, I would hate still... someone to listen to this and go, Oh, I've got that or shit, I'm just gonna run myself ragged and then I'm not gonna have to worry Oh about no,
2: it. don't do that because the thing with anxiety though too and depression and that, it'll creep up on you when you least expect it to Do you know what I mean? You might be high on life and just absolutely flying and then suddenly you'll wake up one day and you're like, oh, not feeling too good today. But the thing is, if I have any advice, which I'm no therapist, I'm no nothing, is if you need help, seek it. And I did that. I've done that before.
1: Did you do that in your first year?
2: No, ahead? I never knew. Was did. this later on? No, down this the track? is this is later in life. Yeah, okay. Later in life, I, I seek help for anxiety, especially which I'll talk to you through that. When I actually wasn't in the bush during that COVID period, when the whole mm-hmm. place was locked down, was when I was in my darkest days. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't right. good.
1: Yeah. So, how did the rest of? I guess I'll save that. for Yeah, part we'll two save then. that. Sorry. Got to got to give people the something, making yeah. sure they'll tune into part two. Well, I hope
2: they do. If they don't, I oh. will.
1: No, I'm thinking of however many other episodes I can get you on. You just have the best voice. <laughs> like, I'm like, we should start a new series. Yes, your fiance is agreeing with me. I feel like we could it's about like, time. <laughs> you should be hosting your own podcast.
2: Like, no, 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 I'll leave that to you. It's better when you do no, it. You've you know? got
1: the best voice for this though. Like it's so good. <laughs> it's oh yeah, I could easily see you like on TV or something. Yeah. Um <laughs> Maybe
2: I might get, you know, one of these you I, know, camp I, drafts or something, I might get to announce it. A B C is
1: looking for a rural reporter.
2: Oh uh, look! I've just taken on a new job. I, I'll see how that goes.
1: Okay, and then
2: we'll um. We'll talk. Love to
1: just send you around the countryside <laughs> with a little microphone. <laughs> He's like, "Oh God!"
2: Then she could buy all the horses she wanted. Yeah, exactly. Pay bit, you know? There you
1: go. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess after that initial panic attack, you said yep. so you are pretty much tired, just too tired the rest of the look, season to have?
2: No, no, look, I don't. I mean, it is a while. Like, it's near fifteen years ago. Um, I couldn't tell you. I just remember that first initial one, and it was terrible. It was terrifying because I didn't know what to expect. It was Monday morning. You'd have the whole weekend. You'd be ringing your parents saying you just wanted to go home, Mm. and then that Monday morning came and my heart was pounding through my chest. I thought I was having a heart attack. And I went up and seen the manager. I said, look, I can't do this. And they're like, mate, give it at least a month. You know, they didn't know anything about my mental health. They knew nothing about it, you know. And, um, and that was a time, I think, too, where people didn't really talk about it either.
1: No, but that's what's so surprising to me as in the way they handled it. Oh, because well, it sounds like yeah. they were supportive and encouraging. Amazing people. And I know I don't, maybe I'm just old and bitter, but people, whether it's, you know, in rural Australia or in the bush and maybe also particularly in this industry, like mm. even though we're making big strides mm. in kind of breaking down the taboo about mental health mm. and whatnot, like a lot of people still don't handle it very well, very eloquently. So for well, them to, like it would have been so easy yeah. for them to be like, all right, well, off well, you go then. We'll uh-huh. get you on the next plane out of here. Yeah, exactly. We See don't want to deal, We don't want to deal with this, yeah. you know. Like,
2: and and sorry, just to interrupt quickly, is my father has that mentality. He has no idea about what a panic attack is in mental health. He thinks it's all bullshit. Yeah. But that's because he doesn't know how to deal with it.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: He's from that, that era. That generation where, you know, he just got on with things. Yeah. You know, (laughs) the whole world's falling apart, but I still got up and went to work. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah.
1: So there were no more, I guess, incidents that you, not,
2: not that I can really put my finger on. Um, Nothing that really stood out because I was just so into the industry. And so I I think, too, it's finding the niche. If you find something that you love, why are you going to have a panic attack and anxiety for? Yeah. And depression. Yeah. If you have actually not under the pump, you've got something you love, you're working hard, you're enjoying your life. I had no reason to have it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, although I think a lot – But of- it
2: does come back. But, but yeah. in saying that, it's people have the best life in the world and they, and they still have still- depression. Yeah. So I guess it's – that's a really, really hard question and it's probably a question I can't answer.
1: Why – no, just kidding. Ask, why, <laughs> why not? How dare you? Um, no, I'm just thinking Um, Jane Sale, who founded Central Station, episode 100, she talks about she suffered from P- – but, I mean, that was her panic attacks were linked to her PTSD after, yes. like, and she had them for- – I think, four years. Wow. But the first one started a year after, like, a really bad bull attack. Yes. And then she had him for, like, three years after that, I think it yes. was, before so, she got help. So, so she was
2: extremely
1: – But everything else – she was saying, like, everything else is fine. I was safe again. I was – Yeah. Wow, but she still – so, I mean, sometimes there's not yeah, this so, necessarily, like, okay. not so my, clear cut.
2: My anxiety, right, I'll, I'll tell you right now, most of my panic attacks are about death.
1: Oh, yeah. <sighs> so
2: mine is trauma. So mine is, like – Oh, you got a pain here. You think you got cancer. So suddenly you, you, you I don't know. People will probably think I'm fucking mad, huh. but there was a time in my life where I thought I had stomach cancer and my brain was that structured to think that, mm. that I thought that there was something wrong with my stomach. Yeah. I, I, it might sound crazy.
1: And that's the <laughs> hardest thing about anxiety though is, yeah. and I have to show you, there's this girl made this quite, funny and clever TikTok about it where she's playing the same two characters talking to herself, yep. talking to each other, Um, about like anxiety is like, you're like, okay, we'll trust your gut. And yep. then you're like, but is my gut, my gut's telling me, say like, for example, these people don't like me. All right. Is it my, exi- my anxiety or is my gut, am I on the money? And then you're yep. like, well, what if I do trust my gut? Um, yeah. Or what if I don't? Or what if it's just the anxiety and I like, um, ignore what I'm thinking and go, Oh, it's just the anxiety talking about those people, but you're actually on the money. Like your gut's yeah. right. So like, how do you figure out? That's like mm. the eternal fucking thing that like, does my head in. Like, am, is my gut right? Or am mm. I like, do I trust my gut or trust yeah. my anxiety? Like, like
2: I, I would, I would struggle if I had anxiety of what. Like you see that there's people like, so my anxiety is about health, right, about dying. Mm, yeah. I don't want to die. We're all going to die. But that that's my, mine emotionally about health. Yeah. But I'd hate to have the anxiety where people like they worried about, does this person like me? And I think yeah. that would be – it'd be so hard to live your life like that. Yeah, yeah. Because that's, da- that's living every day. That's living every day. You know, you go in, and speak yeah. to someone and you're thinking, oh, does that person like me?
1: Why it comes I-? and goes in like – I guess it, it, it manifests in all different – yeah. Forms of people, but yep. I guess it's good that it didn't, I guess. So if, if you were so busy and kind of tired and, and like you didn't really experience much, yep. and I don't want to say that's cause you're busy and tired, but in that season, <clears> when <throat> you went home then, what happened when you had that first kind of, you're back in Bondi and,
2: um, look, I, I, I as I said, it's a long time ago, but look, I, I would have struggled. I definitely would have because suddenly everything stops. Do you know what I mean? I went up and helped my uncle brand some calves and stuff like that because I was still into it, you know. But everything stops when you get back there during that wet season for, for those sort of younger ringers, you know. You go home. But some of them might go back to the family farm or some of them might be going to uni next year so they're um, getting ready for that. But I can't really say, but I could probably tell you that I would have been pretty down. I would have definitely had a lot of anxiety about going home. Yeah. But obviously you can't stay there <laughs> for the wet season because that would give me depression. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and so you went back the next year. I guess yep. we, we're just going to kind of talk a little bit about your time in the golf and then kind of wrap it up there. Yep. And we'll pick up the next episode from when you yep. went up to the territory. Yep. Um, I guess looking back on your time in the golf, what would you say are like the standout memories?
2: <sighs> Riding horses.
1: Yeah. Learning to ride? Learn,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. J- you're s- still learning. <laughs> still struggling with that. Um, I don't know. Getting a bit of brush, eh? You know, grabbing a Mickey and pulling him ass overhead. That's a bit of fun, eh? Tell you know? me about that. Well, it's just something that's got to be done, eh? You know? Um, oh, well, you know, you sort of, you know, grab, step off and grab something by the tail and pull over. And I'm no bull thrower at all, but I just get, love that adrenaline rush, you know? like, and there's blokes like Willie D in the air, into him, chick a, you know, and stuff like that, you know.
1: I don't actually think anyone on the podcast has spoken about throwing a bull off a horse, though. So can you, I guess, describe Ooh. it to me? So, well, so you're on a horse,
2: yeah. And what? Just, tell
1: me about the job. Like, what? What are you well, trying so to do? So,
2: oh, I don't even really know. I'm not even that. I'm not even good at it. It you
1: doesn't just, matter if you're good well, at it. Well, you know. just
2: you just sort of step off and just grab him by the tail and sort of pull him over, you know, like. I fell in love. I'll be honest. So I just you
1: have to? But you're chasing the bull. Like yeah, I've only yeah. just seen a few videos. So like yeah, I'm on foot. Oh, so you're not on your? Aren't you on your horse though? Otherwise? No, I'm not
2: that spectacular.
1: <laughs> so where have you? How are you chasing your bull on foot? Like how would you catch up to it in the first place? Were you on a horse? Or yeah, a yeah, car? yeah,
2: on, on a horse. And then okay. you sort of pump him out a bit, and then um, he so gets cha- a bit tired. You,
1: you chase the bull until yeah. he gets a bit tired on he gets a horse. A bit tired on a, then a horse, you and jump off the horse. Yeah, and, and then, then what?
2: Then you pull him by the tail, and hopefully he falls over. And then what? And then you strap him up.
1: Why? I mean, I know why, but I'm asking on behalf of oh, the yeah. yeah. Well,
2: just so he can get into the yard. He's being a bit naughty. He's like me as a teenager. Do you know what I mean? How I was. You know, remember yeah. I told you I was a rat of a kid. Yeah. Well, he's that in between that ween a teenager age. You know yeah. what I mean? And he's just yeah. he just doesn't want to go there. You know?
1: How does it feel when you're in that moment when you're trying to tire him out and you you're chasing him flat out on a horse? Like that's got to be a pretty big adrenaline rush.
2: Now at the end of the day, I just want to get that animal, so I don't really feel about it. But I'm no bull thrower. Like, you need to get a bull bloke, a proper Yeah, bull we will. This, we will. Well,
1: I just want to know about podcast, your experience. Or my
2: experience. Well, look, I love it. I love it. And I would love to go and spend a weekend with someone who just goes bull catching the whole time. So if there's anyone listening to this that does it, um, I'd love to come with you and learn a lot more about it just for a weekend. I'd love to do it. But, um, look, it's something that I love doing and, The day I fell in love, Willie D's actually got this on video, is Casey was on a horse and she had this entire bull by the tail and she, on that horse, handed me that tail and I pulled him over and I fell in love with that woman. No jokes on video.
1: I think I've seen that. It's you? A, yeah. Yeah,
2: but it keeps blurry. Yeah, yeah, He, yeah, yeah, he, he took, took it shockingly. Didn't
1: I know. He? Well, and he was just so high up in the sky. Just like, one
2: job. You,
1: could you just not <laughs> hover? There's plenty pilots. No, one trick pony. That's what they are. <laughs> pilots are a one trick pony. Yeah. So look, <laughs> never take that. but
2: look, yeah. I, yeah, that's another thing that I, I, I really enjoy and it's a lot of fun. And, and yeah, but so
1: this was the start of. Of something new for you. I mean, like you said, it's been 15 years and you're still here in this industry. There's been moments where you've left, but yeah,
2: mate, I've, I've left and, but the happiest times of my life have been spent up in, up in the top end, up in whether the top end or the goal for doing this now and in the channel country too. Happiest times of my life have been there.
1: You would know that I finish every episode asking, looking back on your life so far, what would you say is the major takeaway lesson? But we haven't gone through your whole story i want to save mm. that part for episode 2 so i'm thinking for this part 1 yep. i guess looking back on your time in the golf yep. what was the major takeaway lesson for you or the biggest lesson that you learned
2: that if you want something bad enough you can achieve anything like if you want to if you want to be in an industry that you know nothing about no you you don't know anything but if you're willing to have a go at something you can always do it. If you put your mind to something, you can do it. And I hope that helps anybody that wants to come and have a go of this industry. They should just grab it by the horns. I mean, I'm from Bondi beach. I'm, I'm a surfer dude, man. Just, you know, gnarly, bro. <laughs> you know, just, just come and give it a go. If that's for anyone that wants to come up and have a go for next year or they're umming and ahhing, just give it a go. It's only one season. It's only nine months. Nine months of your life. You'll either love it or you'll never want to see another cow again.
1: <laughs> and that's something we're going to talk about in part two as well is about finding the right place for you and whether or not, you know, how long you stay at a place and, yep. and that line of things. So it's going yep. to be a pretty, it's a fair bit going on in part two as well. Who, who knows? We might even have a part three. No, it's easy. I don't
2: know. I, I, you You're know. only coming,
1: to, I might have to come out to the station. Well, so. you might
2: have to do it, D. You yeah. know? I can't be, can't be in here doing this all the time. You know, i got to go to work.
1: <laughs> like, I've got to go to town love. I've got my media appointments. Oh.
2: I don't think that'll go down too well. But anyway, thank you for your time, Steph. It's been amazing. You made me feel very comfortable, so it's been great.
1: All right. See you in part two. See you, mate.